RadioInfluence.com. Welcome back to the Law Father Podcast. We are here, Law Father Headquarters, as we get into a new week here. And uh, as always, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, before we get started here today, I'd just like to uh, take a moment and uh, remember a, a good friend, um, maybe dedicate the show to him today. But uh, those of you who may have heard, especially those of you who live in the Tampa area, uh, Vincent Jackson uh, passed away last week. Uh, good friend of mine and uh, business partners. So just uh, want to dedicate this to him and just take a moment and remember him. And uh, those of you listening, I know the family uh, in lieu of flowers was looking for jo- donations to the Jackson in Action Foundation. Uh, it's actually a great foundation. We've uh, done some things with him in the past and um, it, it helps military families. So what it does is it, it looks to the family aspect of the military. Uh, those of you who may not know the background history, uh, Vincent was the uh, product of a, a military uh, family. So both of his parents were in the military and moved all around. And, and his foundation really looked at, or still the foundation is still going, uh, looks at the impact on the families here at home. Uh, so really good and, and interesting concept. I know a lot of the things generally look to the military member, uh, but I think it's really important also to look to the family that is impacted as well. So that said, uh, let's get into the show today and let's get into a topic that just does not seem to want to go away. Okay, we are, let's see, it is uh, the 22nd of February. So President Biden has been in office a little over a month now and Trump still somewhat dominates, I don't want to say dominates the headlines, but he, he still becomes major headline news uh, for the insurrection. So I want to talk about that a little bit. We talked about the impeachment process in the past. Now there's been a lawsuit filed. So let's take a look at some of these things because, I, you know, I, I think this is going to be a very tough road for a civil litigation side. Look, we do civil litigation, right? Car crashes are civil litigation. There's not a whole lot different in civil litigation when you're talking about a car crash or uh, what Trump's looking at here uh, in terms of a, a, a filing, right? Now you have complex business litigation and that falls under the civil category and that's a whole lot different, okay? But for all intents and purposes, what they're going to be looking at is really very similar to what we would look at, right? There, there's rules of civil procedure, which are the rules that we need to follow, which tells us what we can ask for in discovery and what we have to produce in discovery. And discovery is the process of gathering evidence or having to, on the other side of it, turn over evidence. Okay. And that's what a lot of this is going to come down to. So we look at these things and we also look at President Biden may be in a little bit of a precarious position. Okay. And I want, as you're listening to the show today, to realize that this is not a partisan issue. Okay, this analysis is meant to be as nonpartisan as possible. Okay, this is a legal analysis and a legal analysis needs to say, I don't care if you're a Democrat. I don't care if you're a Republican. What are the ramifications for making certain decisions today that will impact us into the future? What does we do today? What doors does that open up? Do we like the doors that it opens up in the future? That's the important piece because we may find the the capital riots to be 
absolutely abhorrent. Okay. We may also find Trump to be a, a terrible, terrible person. All right. That's not for us to decide, but that's not a good way to set precedent. Okay. So keep that in mind. Just because you don't like what happened and just because you don't like the person is not a good way to set precedent. Because once that door is open, you really don't know who that's going to hurt in the future. All right. So that's really a very, really very important piece to look at. Now, going into this, I hadn't ever really heard the full the full uh, speech that President Trump had given just before this. You know, I had seen bits and pieces, but I took, I found the transcript online and I read through the transcript. And I'll tell you what, looking at it from a legal point of view, not really sure how you make that connection from the speech to, hey, we're going to go storm the Capitol, right? Now, maybe you should know your audience, maybe, but. I have a hard time prior to having seen what played out think that anybody would do that, okay? And and, and maybe that's my own being naive, right? And, and maybe I am naive. Maybe I look at the world with, with rose-colored glasses. I don't know, okay? But I just I can't find it in the speech where it really says, let's do something violent. Let's overthrow. Let's get into the Capitol building. Okay. What I have, and this is a quote, we're going to walk down to the Capitol and we're going to cheer on our brave senators and congressmen and women. We're probably not going to be cheering so much for some of them because you'll never take back our country with weakness. You have to show strength and you have to be strong. End quote. Now, I don't know if I can tell you that to me, that indicates that someone's going to go into the Capitol building and just wreak havoc. To me, and look, we're, we're not a country that you see on the news of people in the streets that are trying to overthrow a government. That's just not what we're about, okay? Peaceful protest and peaceful demonstration is, by all means, what this country has been based on. Right? How many times in history have we seen that? How many times have we seen that create change? All right. Think about the 60s and Martin Luther King and, and the Million Man March and all of those protests and all of the changes that resulted, all of the walks that were done, right? The Million Man March, that was a walk, right? With, I, I believe it was a million people. I, I mean, I wasn't around in the 60s, but you know, I, I do believe that that was a walk with a massive amount of people. So, that's what our country has seemingly been based on throughout history is protests and standing strong and showing strength and showing solidarity. So how do we make that leap, right? Like I said, maybe it's knowing your audience, but how are you supposed to know every person out there? How are you supposed to know? And this is where we look at it from the legal standpoint is how are we supposed to know the unforeseeable, right? And what does that mean? What, what is that foreseeability? Right. And it's not something that we talk about in everyday language. We don't talk about foreseeability in everyday language, but it's something that we look at from the legal side and the legal point of view. So when we're analyzing a case and we're looking at it, we're saying, wow, that's different. That's never happened before. We have to try to figure out, could somebody have prevented that? 
right? And it usually comes up for us. It usually comes up in a, a premises liability case um, where something really oddball happens. And if it's a one-off event that was so rare and, and so far out of the realm of ever expecting something like that to happen, well, you can't really hold the property owner liable, right? And I think we have that same concept here. Now, look, the only person who knows the true intent, well, and I'll, I'll walk that back a second. There may be more people that know the true intent of, of what President Trump meant during this speech. Okay, there may be. And that may be something, and that's what we're going to get into here uh, in a little bit as we discuss it and analyze it a little bit. But let's just say he never talked about it with anybody. He'd be the only person who knew what his true intent was. Okay? He may have had the intent that, hey, let's go protest. Hey, you know what? That has been what we have been about for years and years and years. So, uh, you know, it, it, he goes on a little bit to say, um, I know, and this is a quote, I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard, end quote. All right, so there we have, in his own words, peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Now, let me also, and I probably should have prefaced the speech uh, a little bit because it's a really long speech, and I'm pulling out quotes it's a long rambling speech that talks about a lot of different people. All right. It's not a great speech. It's actually kind of a bad speech, right? Um, it's, it's a speech that reeks of, Hey, I lost and I'm a sore loser. Okay. So let's put that out there. But that is far different than being legally responsible for something happens for something happening. Okay. So I I just want you to kind of consider that. And you know, yes, at the end, towards the end of it, he he gets into this, and this is uh, this is another quote here. And we fight, we fight like hell. And if you don't fight like hell, we're not going to have a country anymore. End quote. What does that mean? How do you reconcile peaceful and fight? Right? Is it the we're actually going to fight, as in we're going to throw down and we're going to have a fight? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. You don't. Trump and whoever it was that he talked to knows, right? But just after that, he goes, so we're going to walk to, we're going to walk down Pennsylvania Avenue. I love Pennsylvania Avenue and we're going to the Capitol and we're going to try and give, there's some ellipsis there. The Democrats are hopeless. They're never voting for anything, not even one vote, but we're going to try and give our Republicans the weak ones because the strong ones don't need any of our help. We're going to try and give them the kind of pride and boldness that they need to take back our country, end quote. Now, you could take that, I suppose, knowing what happened, you could take that in different ways. I can't say that prior to that I could take that in any other way that, hey, we're going to go down there and we're going to show them our support. And by show them our support, I mean we're going to be there literally cheering them on. Okay, I, I don't know any other way to say it. And I think as we look at it from a legal analysis, if all we have are the words in this speech, which is what we're going to get into, then I don't know how you possibly survive a legal case against President Trump. I just don't see it. It's just not there, not in the black and white of the words. All right. So now what we have to look at is what other evidence can you gather? And that brings us to where the cross-section 
of President Biden and President Trump meet. And kind of an important concept because there is executive privilege. There's a concept known as executive privilege. It actually doesn't stem from the Constitution. It's actually uh, a concept that's grown over time. All right. It's, it's rooted in the Constitution in so much as the idea is that there's three branches of government and there's a separation of duties and powers. Okay. Uh, that's where that concept comes from. And the concept really is this, that, that the president has to do things and the president should be able to make decisions and be immune from uh, the repercussions of his or her actions as president. Okay. That's what that means. So um, it's a really important concept. And one of the things that the first step in the analysis is, and, and this, this gets into, to take a step back, this gets into whether or not Rudy Giuliani could be deposed, whether or not Trump's son could be deposed for conversations that happened in the White House. Okay. Could we get any written communication between anybody involved? Okay. And those two specific people seem to have been the inner circle at that time. Right. I believe they actually spoke the day that Trump spoke also. Right. So that's going to be important. What were those conversations? What documents out there exist? And, And by documents could be a text message, could be a voicemail. Right. Could be an email. What exists out there? Right. That's number one. Then number two, is it accessible? And if we look back, if we trace history back. All right. We had Bush and then we had Obama and then we had Trump, and now we have Biden. And for those of you who may be unaware, Biden was Obama's vice president. Okay, so there's our slight history there. Well, when Bush was in office, he signed an executive order that stated the the what would become the former president. Okay, so in this instance, Trump to to put this and make a little bit more sense has control over the release of information and communication that was had while they are president. Okay, so, said another way, a former president can invoke that executive privilege over information far into the future, long after they're done with their presidency. All right? Then Obama came in and changed that and said that the current president has power over the disclosure of that information for what is now the former president. So to look at what we have in real life as we sit here right now is that President Biden has some control over the disclosure of that information that may may be in the White House from when President Trump was president. So there we go. There, there's where our intersection lies. And what also comes into play is, hey, as a, as a former president, as a president or former president, you have access to the Department of Justice. And the Department of Justice can actually provide your defense. So in this case, the Department of Justice could provide President Trump's defense. Or they can pay for a private attorney to handle the defense. Right? Uh, that assumes, though, that this communication was considered to be an act of a president and not someone acting outside of their presidency which is going to be tough, right? You have to look at different factors. Number one, he was president at the time, all right? Number two, he it was a speech that was 
seemingly an official presidential speech, being that the podium was adorned with the presidential seal. All right. It was in Washington, D.C. So you have these these aspects to it, right? And it's it's no different. As I've said, the, the parallels are really no different when you're talking about this or you're talking about a civil litigation case, right? We have them all the time where we have, and it happens more uh, in a trucking case, let's say, right? Truck driver hits somebody. Well, that truck driver worked for somebody else and they were a subcontractor to somebody else. And hey, a lot of times we need to figure out, yeah, you call him a subcontractor, but is that subcontractor a subcontractor or an employee, right? And we look at these same things that they're looking at to determine whether or not President Trump was in the act as president in giving this speech, right? What uniform were they wearing? What was on the side of their truck? Okay. Who gave them the direction to do it? Right. A lot of the similar things, right? What, what uniform was President Trump wearing? Well, hey, he was wearing a suit with same typical suit that we would see him as president. Now, look, is, is, a, is a suit going to be the be-all, end-all? No, probably not, all right? But, I mean, maybe you could. I don't know if I've ever seen President Trump. I think maybe the guy sleeps in a suit. I don't think I've ever seen him in anything anywhere, president or non-president, than anything but a suit and a tie that's way too long for him. Uh, president Trump, if you're listening, call me. I'll help you out with some fashion advice. All right. Just 855 Law Father, President Trump. Just give me a call. I know you're down in Florida somewhere. Uh, we're a couple hours away from each other. I got some people that can help you out, teach you how to tie that tie so it's a little bit better. Okay. Get you back into the 2000s and not, I don't know, 60s, 70s. When it, whenever that length tie was in style, I'm not sure. But anyway, we digress. So President Biden does hold some cards here. And you know, from from all looks of it, he's not going to block the disclosure of this communication that may have happened with President Trump while President Trump was president. And this is where I think we get into a slippery slope because now all of a sudden you've laid the groundwork for somebody into the future to access presidential communications. And you may make it harder to block that. There may be realistic reasons national security, just by means of being a president, right? Some of the things that you have to do, and I don't think any of us should be naive enough to think that there's probably some backdoor deals that go on in that Oval Office that we're probably better off not knowing about. And not only are we better off not knowing about it, we're probably better off having other nations not know about it and other people not know about it, right? There's just sometimes things that are done. Here's a prime example. Those of you who like history, take a look back at some of the negotiations that happened in World War II, right? Change the course of history. Some of those things, you know, as people may find, have found out as it went along, probably better off that they didn't, right? I mean, if you look at it, we actually aligned with Stalin a little bit and kind of cut England out, okay, and Churchill. Um, turned out maybe not to be the best idea, right? Um, but, hey, looking back, you just don't know, but history tells us there are sometimes some conversations and some some communications that we don't want out there, right? And maybe that's a tough one to go, oh, well, it's national security. Okay, but now we're opening the door, and it's a difficult door to close once it's been open, all right? So keep that in mind. Um, President Biden theoretically 
or actually may have the ability to kind of shut this thing down, I would say, why don't we just shut this thing down anyway? Why don't we move on? Because the reality is, either way, this thing is going to be in the court system for years and years and years, probably long after Biden's presidency, probably long after the next president's presidency. This thing could drag on with appeals and and fighting over discovery and court hearings and just you name it. Okay, we could be here for a really, really long time. And do we need to be here as a country for a really long time? So take the legal analysis out of it for a second. Do we really need to be here? And I think maybe uh, it may be time to to move on. Okay. Um, and as we look at it, it's highly likely that any discovery requested against President Trump in any litigation will, that his lawyers will likely claim privilege. All right. And that's going to be sorted, have to be sorted out in the court system, probably all the way up to the Supreme Court. So uh, it should be really interesting, might be an interesting thing to follow. Um, but like I said, it appears that Biden could shut a lot of this down by just saying, nope, you know, here, here's how we're going to handle these things. Now you're going to have to fight me as a sitting president to get this information. Okay. So that's, that's what we have as far as that goes. All right. Um, that is the insurrection and the coming civil litigation, the actual filed civil litigation against Trump. And I believe Giuliani was named in it as well. All right. So probably a difficult thing, but that's where we sit. As I mentioned at the beginning, this is not a partisan analysis. This is a nonpartisan analysis. All right. This is a legal analysis. And anytime we talk about the legal world, we shouldn't be involving politics, at least partisan politics in the legal world. There is an intersection. And, and I think President Trump has taught us this a lot in the last four years. There is an intersection between politics and the law. Okay. Um, I think the more that we can minimize that intersection, the better off we are. Okay. But that is the analysis on the civil litigation uh, involving President Trump. I'm sure there's going to be more to come. There may even be criminal litigation. But I think at the end of the day, you're going to have to prove intent. And if you can't get the evidence and you can't get the discovery based on what I found in that speech, I don't know how, how you do it. And, and look, I looked for things in that speech that I gave you the quotes on that pointed to pointed to looking for or, or inciting people to go in there, right? To go in there and physically fight, go in there and, and physically break things down, Okay. It's just not there. I encourage you to go read the full transcript. It's really long and it's really rambling. And look, some of it's not even factual, right? If you look at parts of it, he's he's trying to tell Pence to do, do the right thing, do the thing that you can do, which I believe was to somehow block the 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 counting of the votes. Well, Mike Pence didn't have that authority. He didn't have that ability. Right. It just didn't exist. So I'm not saying it's a good speech. I'm not saying it's a factual speech. But what I am saying is I can't find anything in the black and white letters of that speech that points to a successful lawsuit against him. All right. As I mentioned, that's a legal analysis, not a political analysis. Okay. I am not a politician. I have I have no thoughts of being a politician. Okay. If you'd like to change my mind, please call me 855-LAW-FATHER and uh, I'll hear you out. But uh, you know, don't really think that's that's my thing. I'd, I'd rather talk about the law than to make the law. But anyway, 
let's change gears here just a little bit. And it's we normally talk about maybe listener questions at this time, but it's a point that I want to drive home because it's a has to do with a case that we just resolved last week. And uh, you know, in, in eight years of doing it, it's it's probably the case that it's tough to say you're proud of a case when you know how bad the end result was for your client. Okay, so the end result for our client was as bad as you could ever imagine. And I'm not going to get into what it was. Okay. But that said, here, here was what we had in Florida. You can be 99% at fault for, for a car crash for your own injuries. Right. And you can collect on the 1%. All right. But what you can also do, and in this case, the person was a passenger, so they don't have any fault, right? Passengers sitting there minding their own business. Well, the driver of the car that you're in could be 99% at fault and the other car could be 1% at fault and you can collect on that 1%. It's a concept called joint and several liability. What it boils down to is you have multiple people who could be responsible, but we can't separate out who is the sole responsible person because we know person one has some percentage of fault and person two has some percentage of fault. So in this case, we got it in, and, and I'll tell you what, I looked at the facts, and, and my gut reaction said, I, I, I don't think we can make this happen. I looked at it again, and I looked at it again, and I looked at it again, and I said, hey, here are some facts that we can show that the other driver may have been at least 1% at fault, right? Started diving into those facts, researching it, getting evidence, putting it all together, and we sent it off to the insurance company, and the insurance company said, nope, we're not paying a dime. We don't see that we have any liability at all whatsoever. We're not swayed by your version of how it happened and what actually was rooted in the FHP report, okay? They had a really detailed report in this one, so we were able to actually pull some things from that. Well, anyway, they said, hey, we're going to hire an attorney. We get a call from their attorney, and it was, hey, we're paying the full policy limits, which were really big policy limits. So um, it was really a situation where we went from an adjuster who goes, no, we're not doing anything to literally two days later, once their attorney looked at it, said, nope, we're giving you everything. Okay. So the important takeaway from that is this, if your injuries and your damages are so significant and you can prove that a party is 1% at fault, you can actually recover from that party. Okay. Now you can all, you can recover from both, right? As a passenger, you can recover from both people. All right. So that that's really an important thing. Now there, there are some things that are going on the other side of this. So I don't want to get too deep into it, but just wanted to kind of share that with you, replace the listener question with really a real life example of how some things can go uh, and how it works on the legal side. So Hope that was insightful for you. Hopefully that there were some good takeaways in the legal analysis about President Trump. Uh, and as I mentioned at the beginning of this show, um, just take some time and remember our good friend Vincent Jackson. And if you have, you know, if you have the opportunity, go check out Jackson in Action, uh, his foundation, and um, you know, maybe just try to pay it forward. So anyway, that is the show for today. And as always, check us out on social media started putting this stuff up on TikTok. I know I've been promising it to you for a while. All right. 
And uh, just go check us out there. Check us out on Instagram. Check us out on Facebook. 855 Lawfather. If you have a listener question, lawfather at tampalawfather.com. That is the show for today. Lawfather out. I'm Jerry Petock, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com.